information regarding tonight's episode be sure to check out our website and social media that's at ksh podcast on all social media and kshpodcast.com warning the podcast you're about to listen to is not suitable for all audiences this episode contains mentions of general violence suicide miscarriages death of a child and cannibalism listener discretion advised insert joke about the song cannibal here oh i just I just like how we were swaying together. Yeah. For everyone at home, we were literally just kind of like swaying and like looking at each other. I bit Making my lip a little bit. Making sensual eye contact. Mm-hmm. Prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. <laughs> so, hello. Welcome to this. I'm a cannibal queen. <laughs> you, did you know? I did. Okay. Because I know everything. Uh, yeah. Bitch. Uh-huh. Um, did you know? Cannibalism is not illegal in most states, but the act of getting to cannibalism is what's illegal. Yep. Everything in this room is edible. Even I'm edible. But that, my dear children, is cannibalism and is frowned upon in most societies. Just don't eat the brain. Yeah, because that legitimately, like, health issues, like, you can get sick. Yes, you will get, like, the worm thingies and die. Mm-hmm. The worm thingies and die. So if you're ever getting a hankering for human flesh. For some hanky-panky. No, wait. <laughs> I mean, that's one version of getting human flesh. hey Hey. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of a really, I just, all right. Do you want to know what just came into my head? Yes. <laughs> Put a light bulb in her pussy. Call that a fleshlight. <laughs> no, Tori. I got a very important question for you. What is it? Do you think being a vampire is a form of cannibalism? I, um, I mean, I, ge- I guess I'd say so. Because think about it. So, like, it's, you, you have to eat something and you have to drink something. Mm-hmm. So, I would assume that a cannibal's drink of choice would be blood. Right. It just seems like it would pair well together. Right. It would make sense. And, like, I would like to say... The definition of cannibalism is the act or practice of eating the flesh or internal organs of other human beings. So would that include liquid? Who's to say? I mean, like in a court of law, it's not considered cannibalism. You know what I mean? But I feel like your pee is different than your blood. Well, yeah, because it's not actually your fluids. Like it's fluids that went through you. Right, it's excrement. Like it's it's whereas because you can't get you can't get DNA from pee. Correct, but you can from blood. Mm -hmm. So I would say anything that holds your DNA is considered cannibalism. Word. Now here's the question, right? If you consent, is it still cannibalism? Yes, it's just consensual cannibalism. Because cannibalism isn't something that you... Because it's still cannibalism if you eat your own leg. It's auto-cannibalism, but it's still cannibalism. Mm -hmm. So. So the reason I asked about vampires is because today, I'm talking about the vampire of Sacramento. Ooh. Yeah. Little, little dick chase. 
Richard Chase. I wonder if he went by Dick. I, lo- I, I usually like, go by Dick. I was going to say, I like a good Dick Chase. Right? Who doesn't? Well, <laughs> I really don't actually. No, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. But so Richard Trenton Chase, what a white name. What a weird name. Right? Yeah. No wonder why he ended up the way he did. Right? Why would you name your kid that? Why would you give him a, a the middle name Trenton? Right? Not even Trent. Trenton. Like the city in, in New Jersey? That's all I can think of. Right? Well, yeah. Ew. Anyway. So he was an American serial killer, rapist, cannibal, and necrophile. You ever notice necrophilia and cannibalism go hand in hand? Well, I mean, they're dead. And then you're sexually attracted, and then you want to eat them. And I bet you'll never guess how he got the nickname the Vampire of Sacramento. I don't, but real quick. Mm -hmm. These people don't know how to not play with their food. I'm not sorry. No one expected you to be, Victoria. It's like when I tell people all the time, I never said I was nice. I never said I wasn't this. I never said I wasn't that. I never said I wasn't an asshole. You just made that assumption because I'm nice to you. Exactly. And the second we become friends, I'm not nice to you anymore. (laughs) That's how I show my affection. I become a bully. You do. But I love you. Well, and when people tell me that the joke is too far, I try really hard to not, like, teeter there again. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, once I know something's off limits... I get good about it. Yeah, at least you try. Yeah. You might need to remind me, but, you know. Yes. I try to, I try to not cross lines when they're drawn. But yeah, so those people like to play with their food. Yes. But how did he... <laughs> no, I want you to guess. How did he get the how nickname did... Vampire? Well, he drank people's blood. How'd you know? I don't know. Absolutely insane. Now, with Mr. Dick Chase... He, we actually don't have a lot about his, like, early life childhood to go through. Uh, He was a native of Sacramento, California. And by the age of 10, he exhibited evidence of all three parts of the McDonald Triad, which is a set of three factors, the presence of any two of which are considered to be predictive of or associated with violent tendencies, And it's particularly used when related to serial killers or serial offenses. Sometimes it's also called the triad of uh, sociopathy or the homicidal triad. Okay. All right. All right. He's walking a fun line. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And said that in his adolescence, he was a heavy drug user. Cute. Sprinkling little little drug addiction, you know. Hmm, very common theme. <laughs> right. In his early adulthood, Chase developed hy- hypochondria. So he was a hypochondriac as he matured. He often complained that his heart would occasionally stop beating or that someone had stolen his pul- pulmonary artery. Okay. Which also I feel like plays into his becoming a vampire. Yeah, because he thinks he needs to probably do stuff to survive because his heart isn't working correct or whatever. He needs more blood in his body. Mm-hmm. He would also hold oranges on his head, believing vitamin C would be absorbed by his brain via diffusion. 
Chase also believed that his cranial bones had become separated and were moving around, so he shaved his head to be able to watch this activity. Nice. That, nice. Right? I wish I was as eccentric. Right? I, and he, he, so that way he could watch his skull move with his bald head. He definitely looks better with hair. Seeing pictures of him, seeing his mugshot, I can't imagine him without hair. Like, look at this. He would look fucking crazy bald. He would, because he has a long ass head. He would look fucking insane. And his eyes and like the like slackness yeah. to his face. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It gets better. After leaving his mother's house, Chase ended up renting an apartment with his friends. His roommates complained that he was constantly under the influence of alcohol, pot, and LSD. Chase would also walk around the apartment nude, even in front of company. His roommates demanded that he move out. When he refused, the roommates moved out instead. Oh, side note would like to mention, guess why he left his mother's house? Why? Not because he was becoming an adult and moving on his own and growing up and all that stuff, no. He believed his mother was attempting to poison him. Hypochondria at its finest. Mm-hmm. Once well, alone... Go ahead. Never mind. I was going to say, do you know why he thought that or just because he no, thought he that? Okay. Once alone in the apartment, Chase began to capture, kill, and disembowel various animals, which he would then devour raw. Hmm. Cute. Mm-hmm. Some, 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 um, I forget what it's called. Whatever. It gets cuter. Sometimes he would mix the raw organs with Coca-Cola in a blender and then drink the sludge concoction. Oh. Do you want to know why he did it? He believed that by ingesting the creatures in this fashion, he was preventing his heart from shrinking. And his heart grew three sizes that day. I quit. But I... Don't worry. He became institutionalized. Yeah, because that always helps. Well, especially in the 70s. We've had a real theme today. Oh, yeah. Of staying in this from this between the 60s and the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, really heavily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really... I The last, like, four episodes, we've just stayed, like, in the 70s, really. Yeah. And 80s, mm-hmm. you know? Victims born in the 60s. Yep. Literally. Mm-hmm. Victims? Well, not victims. Uh, perpetrators. Assailants. Assailants. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's a victim. Yeah. Um. Okay, so he's now institutionalized. What yes. happens now? He spent a brief amount of time in a psychiatric ward in 1973, at about 23 years old. In 76, he was involuntary... He was involuntarily committed to a mental institution where he was taken to a hospital after injecting rabbit's blood into his veins. What? After injecting rabbit's blood directly into his veins. (laughs) Sheesh. Sheesh. (laughs) So that's not okay. Do you want to know what the staff named him? What? They nicknamed him Dracula. So the medical staff at this mental institution nicknamed a man who injected rabbit's blood into his veins 
Dracula. Amazing. Because of his fixation with blood. Do you want to hear more? Of course. While staying in the institution, he broke the necks of two birds that he caught through the institution window and then proceeded to drink their blood. I love it. I absolutely love it. He also extracted blood from therapy dogs with stolen syringes to consume, if that wasn't obvious. Oh, really? Are you sure he's not injecting it into himself again? That's fair. Not with the dogs. But is dog blood not pure enough for his human veins? Maybe he just wanted the lucky rabbit's foot. After all, maybe enough luck he wouldn't get poisoned by his mom. Okay. Okay. Am I wrong? You're going to sit there and tell me that I'm wrong? She came down in a bubble, dog. The Wicked Witch of the... Is it East? Which Wicked Witch... I give up. Okay. Continue on, Chase was diagnosed... (laughs) (laughs) Chase was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia after undergoing a battery of treatments involving psychiatric drugs... Chase was deemed no longer a danger to society, and later, in 1976, he was released to his mother's custody. Chase's oh. mother... Go ahead. Sorry, to his mother. Okay, back to his mother. So, yeah. um, this is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. Little mama's boy, back to mommy. Mm. Chase's mother weaned him off of his medication and got him his own apartment. Let me say again, weaned him off of his medication. So, she did that on mm. her own. Mm-hmm. He initially shared the apartment with roommates before all of them moved out, leaving Chase on his own again. Later investigation uncovered that in mid-1977, Chase was stopped and arrested on a reservation in Pyramid Lake, Nevada. His body was smeared with blood and a bucket of blood was found in his truck. The blood was determined to be cow's blood and no charges were filed. Okay. Okay. Are you ready to get on to why we're talking about him today? Yes, I am. We got his murder spree. <gasps> he's a spree killer. I wouldn't call him a serial killer. He's definitely a spree killer. Yes, there's a very big difference. Big difference. And I hate it because a lot of spree killers always get classified under serial killers, but they are not serial killers. Just because someone does it the same way in a short period of time does not make them a serial killer. It makes them a spree killer because they did everything really quick in a short period of time. Exactly. And usually uh, they're not very clean about it. mm So let's continue. December 29th, 1977, Chase killed his first known victim in a drive-by shooting. The victim was a 51-year-old engineer and father of two. He attempted to enter the home of a woman about two weeks later, but because her doors was locked, he ended up just walking away. He later told detectives that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcome, but unlocked doors were an invitation to come inside. On one occasion, he was caught and chased off by a couple returning home as he pilfered their belongings. He had also urinated and defecated on their infant child's bed and clothing. Could you imagine coming home from, like, date night? You just picked up your kid at Nana's or at the babysitter or whatever, and you come home to find piss and shit in your baby's bed and on his clothes? What the fuck? Could you imagine if they hadn't come home and caught him, like... And they just come home like, do-do-do-do-do. And there's just like, obviously human, adult shit in the crib. I would just leave. 
Like, what do you do? Like, how do you recover from that? You know what I mean? Uh, you, ju- you just burn the room down. I don't know. Because I'm not touching that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Because I'm not touching it. Like, he can have a disease. I'm not touching his, his, his bodily fluids. Time to just fluids. get a new crib. Time to get... Well, he put on the clothes, too. Time to well, get... Well, all the clothes. Sorry. But, like, that's... A, baby clothes are expensive. For no reason. Baby stuff is expensive. For no reason. So, like... Yeah. I'm not... I'm not sitting there and trying to buy... He can buy me all new shit. Seri- right. Like, fucking nasty. He continues... January 23rd, 78, he broke into a house and shot Teresa Wallen, who was three months pregnant at the time. (gasps) No. He shot her three times. He then had sexual intercourse with her corpse while stabbing her with a butcher's knife repeatedly. He then removed multiple organs, cut off one of her nipples, and drank her blood. He stuffed dog feces from William's yard down her throat before leaving. So I think this was a little overkill. So he continued to repeatedly stab her whilst having sex with her already dead corpse and then decided, hmm, what else should I do? And shoved dog shit down her throat. Okay, also, like, that has to be, like, not a fun, like, set of movements like trying to thrust and like stab at the same time <laughs> i don't know i, th- I, mean, I think the, it'd be pretty I, easy i get oh sorry i mean i guess i mean but it also depends on like the position yeah like <laughs> <laughs> malcolm is currently um testing out like Angles. <laughs> no, I think it would be fucking easy. I really do. I think that definitely depends on the position. It does. But like, if you are down in missionary and you are thrusting well, forward that... and you're bringing the knife down, like, well, it's also if you're holding easy... it like that. But like, if you're also like, you could like, because it was a butcher knife. So whenever I hear the word butcher knife, I just assume American Psycho. Well, yeah, but like then also, like yes, but also there's also the way of like. If you hold it, like, thumb side up, like, thumb thumb is near yeah. the blade, you can, like, thrust with or <laughs> or on the side. Yeah. But, like, I guess it makes sense. I don't think it would necessarily be the easy. It's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach at That's the same time. That's what I was thinking about. You know, it's that coordination. But mm-hmm. who's to say he had good coordination? I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know why. And then he shoved dog shit in her throat. <laughs> You know, uh, uh. I I guess I, I don't know why I'm psychoanalyzing. Overanalyzing. Yeah. Uh, the, yep. Four days later, though, he entered the home of 38-year-old Evelyn Merith. He encountered her friend, Danny Meredith, whom he shot with his .22 handgun. He then fatally shot Evelyn, her six-year-old son, Jason, and her 22-month-year-old nephew before mutilating Evelyn and engaging in necrophilia and cannibalism with her corpse. A visitor's knock on the door startled Chase, who fled in Meredith's car, taking the 22-year-old month nephew's body with him. Oh. The visitor alerted a neighbor who called police. They discovered that Chase had left complete handprints and shoe imprints in Evelyn's blood. Chase was arrested shortly afterwards. 
Police who searched his apartment found that the walls, floor, ceiling, refrigerator, and all of Chase's eating and drinking utensils were soaked in blood. Soaked in blood. What the fuck? I'm going to say that again. Walls, floor, ceiling, refrigerator, and all of his eating and drinking utensils soaked in blood. That's a lot of blood. Gallons of the stuff. <laughs> Literally. Give you all that you can drink and it'll never be enough. But, but, I'm not going to sing it anymore. In 1979, Chase stood trial on six counts of murder. In order to avoid the death penalty, the defense tried to have him found guilty of second-degree murder, which would result in only a life sentence. Their case hinged on Chase's history of mental illness and the suggestion that his crimes were not premeditated. On May 8, 1979, the jury found Chase guilty of six counts of first-degree murder and, rejecting the argument that he was not guilty beyond reason of insanity, sentenced him to die in the gas chamber. His fellow inmates, aware of the extremely violent nature of Chase's crimes, feared him and, according to prison officials, often tried to persuade Chase to commit suicide. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Chase ended up granting a series of interviews with Robert Ressler, during which he spoke of his fears of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had been forced to kill in order to keep himself alive, which he believed any reasonable person would do. I mean, he's not that wrong, but... He's wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> he asked Wrestler, the interviewer, to give him access to a radar gun with which he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs so that the Nazis could stand trial for the murders. He also handed Wrestler a large amount of macaroni and cheese which he had been hoarding in his pants pockets, believing that the prison officials were in league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him with poisoning his food. On December 26, 1980, Chase was found in his cell dead. An autopsy found that he had committed suicide with an overdose of prescribed medications. He had macaroni and cheese in his pockets and went, Here you are, sir. <laughs> May I have my radar gun now to find the Nazi UFOs? <laughs> and that's the Vampire of Sacramento, kids. I... How do I follow that up? How do I... Please tell me. How in the world? I mean, hopefully, hopefully you follow it up with Leonardo. Leonardo. Ah, I was close. Ah, yeah. I, I will, but I just... He was something else. Who? Leo or uh, Dick? Dick. Yeah. He was... Yeah. Yeah, we'll, un we'll unpack that in a second, I guess. Um, that's okay. If um, we, I don't think we need to unpack it. That's fine. We'll just let it be. Yeah. Um, if you want to unpack it yourself, go ahead. I can't... Um, the two things that I can't get over is injecting rabbit's blood... Yes. And stuffing uh, dog feces down the throat. I'm surprised you didn't die from the rabbit's blood. Right? Actually, dead ass. I'm, I'm very surprised. Yeah. Because 
You could die and from just the wrong blood being injected into and you. And just consuming as much blood as he did, I'm surprised he didn't die. Like an iron, like having too much iron. Mm-hmm. Or getting a disease. Yeah. How do you? Okay. Um. Whatever. So, yeah. So I don't know how. Um. First of all, I apologize in advance. I'm probably gonna mess up a lot of pronunciation with throughout this, um, because it does take place in Italy. So there's a lot of like Italian names and like Italian places. I just said like a lot in that sentence, but it's fine. Um. There's a lot of it, and I'm not going to say everything correctly. We're sorry. Please don't hate us. So, so Leonardo, she was an Italian serial killer. Ooh. Okay, okay. Um, she was born in Montella Avellino. While still a young girl, she attempted suicide twice. Ooh, okay. Um, also... Actually, for reference, she was born April 18th, 1893. Okay. All right. So we're talking turn of the century. Yes. So 1893, still a young girl, attempted suicide twice. In 1917, Leonardo married a registry office clerk, Raphael Pensardi. Her mother did not approve of this marriage as she had planned to marry her to another man. Ooh. She claimed that on this occasion, her mother cursed them. In 1921, the couple moved to Pansardi's native town of Laria Potenza, where Leonardo was sentenced and imprisoned for fraud in 1972. Oh, shit. <laughs> 1927, sorry. Uh, for fraud in 1927. Yeah, um, big jump there. I, I don't really know. When released, the couple moved to Lysidia Avellino. Unfortunately, their home was destroyed in the 1930 Irpinia earthquake, so they moved to Correg- Correggio Reggio Emilia, where Leonardo opened a small shop. She was very popular and well-respected within her neighborhood. Cute. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Independent woman, fucking female business owner, living her life. Exactly. She was she was doing it. Now, things go a little rough for uh I'm a, I'm gonna start calling her Leo. Okay. We're gonna call her Leo. Um but things start going a little rough for Leo. All right. So she had 17 pregnancies during her marriage. Holy shit. Three of which she lost to miscarriage. Oh. Yes. That's hard. But 17 pregnancies. It's like Marianne Cotton all over again. Yo, seriously. Um, but not not in, the, not in the same way. But um a lot of pregnancies. A lot of time being pregnant. Um, so she already lost the three. Uh ten more died in their youth. So consequently, she was heavily protective of the four surviving children. Makes so much sense. Yes. Um, very much. Very much. I'm surprised that she survived yeah. giving birth so much. That and surviving. I mean, miscarriages. Some miscarriages can kill you. Depends on the nature of the miscarriage. But. And especially we're talking like the 20s to the 30s, 40s, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Like where the medical advancements are getting better for but, pregnancy and everything. Yeah. But to deliver at minimum 14 babies mm-hmm. 
depending on how her miscarriages were. Yeah. I can't believe that she was able to survive every single one. Like, that's yeah. It's insane. Shows goes to show how strong a woman's body is. Yeah. So, you know, she's protective of these kids. She's obviously very fearful. Mm-hmm. Her fears being fueled by a warning she had received sometime earlier from a fortune teller. This fortune teller told her that she would marry and have children, but that all of the children would die young. So Leo also visited a Romani who practiced palm reading. You know what was told to her? All your children will die young. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> In your right hand, I see prison. In your left, a criminal asylum. Wow. Did you know that my grandmother was Romani? Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, she used to do palm readings in Atlantic City, and she uh, would scam people. Cute. Mm-hmm. I love that. She also used to read tarot. I'm proud of her. Yeah. She was a, she was a cool lady. Nice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, God. I know that, like, this word, like, some people are weird about the word. Um but we always say she was a Russian gypsy Jew. Okay. That's how she identified. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know Romani is the, the like, more, like, I think that's the more, like, politically correct term that people have been using, but I know anyone who I know who identifies with it, like, still uses the word gypsy, mm-hmm. but I don't know the, I think it's a personal preference kind of a thing. Yeah. But. No idea. My grandmother called herself a gypsy. Okay. Yeah, she used to read palms. Cute. I wonder if she ever told anybody that they were going to a uh, insane asylum. Maybe. Or a criminal asylum, rather. Maybe. Could have. I'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the fortune teller, her predictions were coming true. Now let's see if the Romanian's predictions are coming true. So we're moving into 1939. Leo learned that her eldest son and favorite child was going to join the Italian army in preparation for <gasps> World War II. No, not my baby mm-hmm. boy. Mm-mm. Just cut off his foot. Then he can't serve. That's true. Yo, a lot of soldiers would do that kind of shit. So, or like a lot of... People who didn't want to be drafted. Yeah, because I guess would they it? wouldn't be soldiers yet, yeah. but they would injure themselves like that, so that way they couldn't. Mm-hmm. It is it is a solution, might not be the best solution. Mm-hmm. So, her son's going to go into World War II. She was determined to protect him at all costs. So, she came to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. What do you... I want to... I would like to know, what do you think this woman could come up with to protect her son? So, I feel like because we're talking about this on our cannibal episode, I feel like she killed him and preserved him. No. Oh, okay. Like, not, e- not even close, actually. Did she join the military? mm Okay. Uh, did she put a curse on him or like a, a hex or a blessing or whatever on him? Maybe in a way. Okay. Maybe in a way. Okay, okay. So, obviously, we already know this woman believes in things like uh, readings fortune and tellers fortunes and, yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. So, she comes to the conclusion that his safety required human sacrifices. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Leo found three middle-aged women all being her neighbors, and did some interesting stuff to them. So Interesting is the word choice you're going to use? Yes. So her first neighbor of choice was Faustina Setti, who was a lifelong spinster who had come 
to her for help in finding a husband. Leo told her of a suitable partner, but asked her to tell no one of the news. She also persuaded Seti to write letters and postcards to relatives and friends. They were to be mailed when she reached, um, when she reached where this person was, to tell them that everything was fine. Smart girl. Mm-hmm. Preparing for her departure, Seti came to visit Leo one last time. Leo killed her with an axe and dragged the body into a closet. There she cut it into nine parts, gathering the blood into a basin. Good holy number, nine. Leo described what happened next in her official statement. So this is her official statement. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though my oldest son and I also ate them. Okay. Some sources also claim that Leo apparently received Seti's life savings. 3,000... Is it a lira or a liar? Mm. 3,000... Or 30,000 lira as payment for her services. How do you convince a woman to do that? To name you as her fucking beneficiary? God damn. I don't know. But... This brings us to Francesca Salvi. Leo claimed to have found her a job at a school for girls. Like Seti, Salvi was persuaded to write postcards to be sent to friends, this time from Correggio, detailing her plans. Also like Seti, Salvi came to visit with Leo before her departure. She too was given drugged wine and then killed with an axe. The murder occurred on September 5th, 1940. Salvi's body was given the same treatment as Seti's, and Leo is said to have obtained 3,000 lire from her second victim. Wow, goddamn. So this brings us to Leo's third and final victim, who was Virginia Calciopo, a former soprano said to have sung at La Scala. For her, Leo claimed to have found work as the secretary for a mysterious impresario, in Florence. As well as the other two women, she was instructed not to tell a single person where she was going. Casopio agreed, and on September 30th, 1940, came for a last visit to Leo. The pattern to the murder was the same as the first two. However, unlike the first two victims, Cassiopo's body was melted to make soap. According to Leo's statement, So this is her again. She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne. And after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. Wow. From Cassiopo. Leo reportedly received 
50,000 lire, assorted jewels, and public bonds. Damn. She even sold all the victim's clothing and shoes. I don't understand how they named her their beneficiary. Like, that's fucking insane to me. I don't know. Like. Or even, I don't even know if that, if that if at this time, that was a thing. Right. As much. Or if she could just kind of go, oh, this is my friend. They died. Can I have their money? I don't know how Italy works, especially in the 40s. How Italy works. I did say that weird. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they had, like, wills in some degree of, like, a, like, you know, this is who this goes to. Hey, if you're from Italy, can you let me know? Like, can you let me know? Um, and if you know about the 40s at all, can you also let me know about how that would have worked? Cassiopo was Leo's last victim. Here's why. All right. Her sister started to grow suspicious of the sudden disappearance and had last seen her entering Leo's house. She reported her fears to the superintendent of police in Reggio Emilia, who opened an investigation and soon arrested Leo. Leo did not confess to the murders until they believed that her son was involved in the crime. She confessed to the murders, providing detailed accounts of what she had done to save her son from to any blame. Her baby boy. Mm-hmm. Leo was tried for murder in Reggio Emilia in 1946. She remained unrepentant, going so far as to correct the official account while on the stand. Damn. At her trial in Reggio Emilia last week, Poetis Leonarda gripped the witness stand rail with oddly delicate hands and calmly set the prosecutor right on certain details. Her deep-set dark eyes gleamed with a wild inner pride as she concluded. I gave the copper ladle, which I used to skim the fat off the kettles, to my country, which was so badly in need of metal during the last days of the war. Goddamn. Yes. She was proud. But she was found guilty of her crimes and sentenced to 30 years in prison and three years in a criminal asylum. Prison, criminal asylum. Mm-hmm. And again, 30 and then three. Dude, for the three victims, the 3,000 and 30,000, the 30 years and the three years, and the number three is like a holy number. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it is a spiritual number. It's like an angel number. Like it is. Like the three through three and stuff like that. Hang on one second. Okay, I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on. Yeah, so, and then in... Numerology, three is associated with optimism and an abundance of energy. Excuse me. Well, she had a lot of negative energy. Is that, does that count? Uh, it's also usually hard for them to finish creative projects. They may also struggle with naivety and egotism. Cool. The number three. The number three, bitches. But yeah. So, she got, she got what she deserved. Mm-hmm. She did. Mm, people cake. Hey. At least she used every part. Right? Made, right. Made soap out of the fat, you know, like. Mm-hmm. She did, she did, she did what she needed to, okay? Okay. 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 Um, so then we get into what happened to her. Leo died of cerebral apoplexy in the Women's Criminal Asylum in Pozzuoli on October 15th, 1970. 
A number of artifacts from the case, including the pot in which the victims were boiled, are on display at the Criminological Museum in Rome. A darkly comic play about Leo, Love and Magic in Mama's Kitchen, was first produced. That name, I love it. Oh right? my God. Um, that's awesome. Um, but it was first produced by Lena Wartmuller at the Spoleto Festival in 1979. And the play began a run on Broadway in 1983. That's so cool. That's such a good name. Right? Love and Magic in, in Mama's, Mama's kitchen. kitchen. I don't remember that Cooking Mama game. <laughs> that was really funny. Thank you. That, like that. Thank you. I, I like that one a lot. But yeah, so I love it. I love these cannibal stories. They're they're good ones. They're fun ones. Your little heart goes pitter patter. I want your liver on a platter. Use your finger to stir my tea. And for dessert, I'll suck your teeth. Be too sweet and you'll be a goner. I'm going to pull a Jeffrey Dahmer. What? <laughs> no fans of Kesha in the house? <laughs> what? Sorry, Kristen, I shared a moment. It's fine. <laughs> We've been making a lot of music references lately. There's just a lot of references. Hey, um, for those who don't know, if you didn't realize, we recorded four episodes today. Um, because we have to record it in advance because it's just, it's just that's how it works. Um, we started with a a cannibal. Mm-hmm. Our first the episode first episode today had cannibalism. We're ending with cannibal cannibalism. We recorded the Jeffrey Dahmer and Richard Ramirez episode. That was the first episode we recorded today, which was four weeks ago now for you guys. Yes. Um but it was full circle for us today. Excellent. Um, Perfect. Fantastic. I'm hungry. We've been recording for seven hours now. Nine hours. Sorry, we've been yes. recording for nine hours now. So. We're going to keep this brief and quick, y'all. Yes. So, I'm hungry. I might become a cannibal. Um, Not really. I, that's, I just, that doesn't appeal to me. But I'm very proud of us. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm delirious. <laughs> Whenever you tell me I'm pretty, that's when <laughs> hunger really hits me. Your little heart goes pitter-patter. I want you liver on a platter. Use your finger to stir, stir my tea. tea. And for dessert, I'll, I'll suck, suck your teeth. teeth. Be too sweet and you'll be a goner. I'm, I'm going to pull a Jeffrey Dahmer. That's the only part of the song I know. <laughs> I would like you to know. It's only because of TikTok. <laughs> Don't. That was in a. That was rude, Tori. You didn't have to call me out. Um. Well, I'm sorry. But so while you're sitting there listening to Kesha on TikTok and li or listening to us, um, you might get hungry just like I do. Do you think Instacart has any cannibal uh, options? Probably not, but you can get raw meat so that I don't know if that works for you. I mean, maybe. Maybe I'll pull a little Sacramento vampire here and just eat some raw meat. Yeah. Go on the raw food diet. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so if you need help with that, um, Instacart's got your back. You can get Where your— Where can you find a good link to Instacart? 
Um, so if you go to our support us page on our website, you will get a link to Instacart. Um, you will get free shipping on your first order of a certain amount or more. It'll let you know when you get there. It changes a little bit. Uh, the last time it was $10. Before that, it was uh, $35. Thir- 30 Yes. 35 Whatever. Um, but it changes. So that's why I'm saying, you know, it'll let you know when you get there. Because if you listen, say you listen to this in the future, you I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get. Um... You get what you get and you don't get upset is what you get. And then you get the groceries delivered to your door. Exactly. No um, risk of running into a cannibal. Yeah, exactly. Or your grocery delivery driver is a cannibal and that sucks. Or you are a cannibal and your grocery delivery driver is your next victim. Exactly. So get your food delivered to you and in as little as an hour. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that simple. It's, it's perfect. That, it's, it's, it's amazing. Honestly, the um, fact that you haven't done it yet already in the five minutes that we've been talking about it is deplorable and you should reevaluate your life choices. Exactly. So now also, if you want to support us more, there are a couple more ways. My favorite way is another way of ordering things. The way you do that is go on to redbubble.com or click our link on our, on our website again because it'll take you right to our page. Um, once Otherwise, do- Redbubble or the Redbubble app and it's just KCH Podcast in the shops, and you'll find us, and you'll see us, and um, it's cute. And it's a lot of cool stuff that you can get delivered to you, and it's awesome. And, you know, if you want to drink blood, you can drink it out of one of our various mugs, cups. Tumblers. Tra- travel mugs. Like, it's 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 perfect. Um, Or, you know, yeah. You can write um, down and detail your crimes in a KCH Podcast notebook. Yeah, or you can do a puzzle while you, while you eat your human cookies. Cake. It was cake. Your human cake. Your tea cakes. I was a cookies. I, you know, sorry. I thought it was cake. Um, I got cake. Sorry. <laughs> you do got cake, girl. Mm. <laughs> I've seen your ass. I thought it was cake. It is tea cakes. Look well, they're, they're crunchy tea cakes, so they're okay. cookies. Okay. You said cake, so I heard the word cake, so I remember the word cake. <laughs> anyway, you can eat them while you're eating your human remains, while you're eating your human base base while baked you're, goods. <laughs> while you're doing your puzzle with a nice cup of boiling um, blood boiling blood in your KCH mug and in your KCH shirt that you're trying not to get blood on. Um, cool. So go do that. Um, or you can follow our Patreon. You can do that, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's us rattling. Yeah. Let us know. Um, your favorite cannibal um, submissions can be sent to either on our website or, um, you know, message us on any social media and we will answer you because we want friends. In the meantime, um, for the next week, you got to do one thing for us, though. That's the arrangement here. Uh, we give you content and then you do something for us. And it's the easiest thing that you can do. Uh, especially if you don't have money, if you can't use Instacart, if you can't do Patreon, if you can't do merch. This is the one rule. This is the arrangement, okay? Stay Stay creepy. creepy.